0: Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And if you're watching the replay or on YouTube, thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Now, today, we welcome Amy Paris to the podcast. Through igniting her love of writing as a Chicago area and National Writing Project fellow, Amy created her first book, Ain't Gonna Be No Stupid Woman, aimed at helping people break free and recover from narcissistic abuse. Her second, Ink and Abino Stupid Teacher, explores her 29 years of teaching experience in both the Los Angeles and Chicago area public schools. She plans to write more in this series, hence, how her podcast and YouTube channel were born. In her spare time, Amy enjoys thrifting, ice skating, swing and salsa dancing having coffee in the car without coffee as her friends drive her to the train because she no longer owns a car, leading a life group through her church in Chicago and taking her 15-year-old chihuahua duke for walks around the city, including many trips on planes, trains, and the megabus. As a certified life coach, she specializes in helping you walk in your purpose as you explore your values and priorities. Because without clarity or alignment to your values, you may as well just toss that to-do list in the trash. Authenticity is also key to flying with eagles and leaving the ducks behind. (laughs) Now, during the podcast, we discuss how Amy built a cage from herself from the age of three and what that means, what types of narcissistic abuse there are. We talk about Christianity, spirituality, and how all roads lead to God. (laughs) The definition of gaslighting and why Everyone should watch the movie Gaslight with Ingrid Bergman to understand that meaning. (laughs) The lies we believe and the lies that the church tells women. What to do to free yourself from narcissistic abuse. Now stay to the end to find out why staying in high stress and fight or flight mode will take a toll on your sanity and your health. At the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You're always the first to know when each episode is released. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for all of the five-star reviews. Now, if you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast. This helps more women to find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go it alone. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Now, let's get to Amy. <music> Wow. Amy, yes. welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. Thank you. Happy to have you here. So what is interesting, I think, about you and what I, I think is really apt for our audience is you help women kind of get out of relationships with narcissists. Is that, Yeah. So let's, let's hear the story of how you got into that.
1: Well, how it's that funny. Story? I... I grew up in a home of know-it-alls. I won't say that they were, I won't call them narcissists, but my brother and sister are like national merit scholars and very, you know, intellectual. And you sit in a room with them and you're the, you're the one that's, you know, your opinion doesn't matter and, and you have to play small. And that's kind of how I grew up. And I was the crazy one, the funny one, the weirdo, the, the actors type, you know, the performer. And so you really, it really goes back to. Well, my dad was definitely a narcissist. He's gone now, so I can speak about it. But if you grow up with someone that invalidates your feelings and you play small in the environment you're in, and I know I do have a little bit of a joke here. It's not really a joke, but my mom, I was the third kid in the family, and my parents divorced when I was three, and my mom was obviously overwhelmed. So I was always in a playpen back in the 60s. You remember the playpen, the cage? Mm-hmm. So my brother and sister were roaming free in the background, you know, just in the backyard. And I would be sitting in this cage with my stuffed animals. And I know as a three-year-old, that sounds weird that you would even be sitting there interpreting like, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I sitting in this cage? And you, you interpret it in a way that, that makes you feel like, well, I must be a nuisance then. I must be something wrong with me, that sort of thing. So again, that childhood stuff, it starts the ball rolling but it doesn't mean you got to stay there. So
0: Right. Okay. So I just want to understand. So you had your brother and sister were playing and you were stuck inside a playpen and the story you told yourself, yes. uh, the way that you made it make sense for yourself was that you didn't really matter. The, the narrative, you're
1: right. The narrative yeah. we tell ourselves is very much the problem. And I don't right. think I, and throughout my life walked around with low self-esteem. I got a lot of praise and I felt good inside and, Yet, because I turned a lot of my feelings inward, because I think that yeah. I grew up with a Scandinavian mother too. And I think that if you know anything about that, they're very, very much, you're feeling, you can't talk about feelings and you just shut down. So you, you know, it wasn't like you, and I didn't get physical touch either. She never really held me. The only time she held me was when I had an earache. So I get a lot of earaches. So she could rock me, you know? So throughout my childhood, even through college, I got earaches. I don't have earaches anymore, but
0: let's a lot it, of back up to that, because I think that's, yeah. I think that's really key. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that, you know, we have a program it's called the mental system and, and we help women go from mental misery, you know, where the symptoms are really kind of holding, you know, really keep making their life, turn their life upside down and just really being a yeah. problem to MenoMate, mate. And they start living the middle way and nothing bothers them anymore. Mm. And, you know, you're, we talk a lot about the stories that we tell ourselves. And so, you know, I've heard you say just in this, you know, brief, brief introduction that, you know, you weren't, you were, you're craving physical touch. Mm-hmm. And so the way that your subconscious managed that for you was to give you earaches. Yes, and and until you realized that subconscious programming, you know, and started to unravel that, you continue Mm -hmm. to have earaches. And I think I just think that's really fascinating because one of the things we talk about a lot is the fact that as children, we don't have the we don't have the adult history to filter our experiences. And so we create our own, you know, cage in a sense of thought. And until until we grow up and we start to you know if we start to unravel these stories like what you know what is causing me to believe that what is causing me to think that I am not worthy what is causing me to think that I belong in a cage what is causing me to think that my feelings are invalid because of all the stories that we told ourselves as we were kind of coming through the experiences and so yeah so that's I just think that's really fascinating it's, and, it's I like it's how something you use that we the really word. work with you use
1: the word cage too. It's funny that yeah. I was literally interpreting my life as in a, like an animal in a cage. Yeah. And man, I'm thinking I'm processing some feelings as we talk about this. I was always feeling, and I still do, in a relationship, feel like I was always in a cage. Mm. I always felt like I had to play small or I had to you know, tiptoe around the person I was with. And wow, I just processed that
0: as we talked. Let's unpack it then. Yeah. So- what is, what's the big aha here? Well, I think I thrive
1: on being alone and COVID. I have loved every minute of it in terms of the alone time. (laughs) And yet I don't like the tugging at me factor. So I know that I've trained myself maybe because of my day job as a high school teacher. I've, I've gotten so tired of people all day because I, I appear to be an extrovert, but I get my fuel from being alone. So again, even as the job I chose, if you notice, I'm in a cage, a classroom. I'm in a system that is oppressive. I am not able to truly be who I am a bit. You have autonomy as a teacher, right? But but this whole be who you are is like, it's one of the greatest things, like I finally, in my 50s, which is what I love about being in my 50s, you finally get to a point where you're like, I don't care what you think. Yeah. I'm going to do me. I'm going to thrive. I'm not going to allow the world to tell me who I am or what I should subscribe to. So the cage factor, yeah. I'm Like I live in a, a very small apartment as well, and I don't, I don't ever want to have a big house. That makes me like get hives. I don't know because there's a loneliness in a big house, right? There's all these empty rooms and there's
0: high ceilings. and It depends. It like- depends on the story you decide to tell yourself about. <laughs> That's it. right. I, mean, That's I, so good. I have good a big area. house and and I love it because I've got space here for my office and I've got a yeah. gym. And it's yeah. been, I mean, COVID hasn't been that bad for me. I mean, I'm a surgeon, but I quit yes. surgery. And yes. I don't have to go back to the hospital, you know, I'm working on the podcast and working on changing women's lives, you know, yes. pretty much from the inside out, you know, uh, kind of reframing what menopause really is. And, you know, we look at menopause and menopause is, is a time in our life where we can like become empowered and and really become who we want to be. It's, it's the time for us to reinvent who we are. And what I love about my own menopause experience is that I've been able to kind of unpack all this programming that I had from, from when I was a child. And one of the stories yes. that I've told a few times on the podcast is that when I was five years old, I made this decision because of something my mother said was that I couldn't make money unless I was a doctor. Wow. So that subconscious program. So I had to become a doctor in order to make money. Wow. Cause my mother had two brothers, like a brother and a brother-in-law who were doctors. And she made some comment when I was five years old that, you know, they're rich, they're doctors, they're rich. And so I want to make my mom happy. And so I said, okay, To my, my five-year-old self interpreted that as, okay, the only way I can make money is to be a doctor. And I didn't well, not a bad, that. Pro- well, that's not a bad prophecy.
1: I mean, she could have said the only way to make money is marry a rich man or something like that. Look at that's what you true. did. Okay, I'll that's be a doctor. True. But
0: she didn't I'll say, say that. that. See, this is She said, those oh, guys are God, rich, God. they're doctors. And I my five-year-old it. brain says, I have to be a doctor to make money. And so my subconscious programming, I mean, I didn't start medical school until I was 31. And so my subconscious programming made me go to medical school. And, you know, eventually I was able to figure out how to make a lot of money. But then I was like, I'm not fulfilled in this. This is not what I'm called to do. And so, you know, over the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, I've been, you know, studying menopause and figuring out why I, you know, why I have hot flashes and why I feel like shit sometimes and why. Yeah you know, and, and why my emotions were taking over. And so, and I was like, well, this is not what I'm called to do. And then I started to do, you know, the menopause movement and started to, to help women. And I'm like, oh, this is my calling. That's and I beautiful. was able to leave surgery. So, so this, this comes back to what you said about be who you are, you yeah. know, and sometimes, sometimes who we are is somebody very different from who we think we've been or the, the identity that we've constructed because of what people have, told us or how the story that we told ourselves and what I think menopause is such a great time for us to unpack every single belief that we've ever had about ourselves so yeah so let's talk a little bit about on your on your outline you said something about this word situationship yes (laughs) but what is a situationship
1: well a lot of times when you don't really know who you are, or even maybe don't want to be in a cage in a relationship. A lot of times people, they call them situationships, right? They, it's like an urban dictionary word where it's not like your boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not like you're dating, but you maybe the hookups happening or that's another reason. A friend with benefits. Yes. And you know, I used to believe that even as a Christian, I used to think, oh, that can't apply to me. That's archaic. I can totally have sex outside of marriage, no problem. And then I would just be like, thinking about when I was a kid, not a lot of touch, right? So then I craved the touch. And because of that, the promiscuity never gave me any fulfillment. Mm -hmm. If anything, I think it brought more destruction into the narrative. I tell myself it brought me more destruction. And I don't think I consciously walk around with low self-esteem, but something in my subconscious, obviously, you know, the daddy issues didn't help daddy leaving, getting married a couple times and showing up yeah. in and out of my life, you know, all that. I don't like even today, I don't really walk around with that because I have a relationship with God. I think that has a lot to do with it. But yeah, that whole situationship or a tolerationship, you know, somebody you're in, maybe even in a marriage and everybody's doing the eye rolling. And to me, if you're eye rolling a lot in your relationship, that's a toleration ship. That's not a relationship, you know? <laughs> toleration. So I think I've seen a lot of marriages too, where I'm like, whoa, okay, nope, nope, nope. And, and you try to think to yourself, okay, yeah, all right, I'm open. Only if God sends him, though, because I'm not up to, like, you know, going on the apps and the, meeting someone and all that and getting validation from other people. I think that's one of the mistakes we make as women. We try to get validation from other people. And that again causes it, you know. That's that that whole situationship. It, it, it's like a drug, right? You you can get your thrills, and then a couple of days later, it's it's you come down off that high, and it's like you know. Like, I've never done heroin, but I mean, it's it's something that <laughs> I think does you know same thing to the brain, right? You're the doctor here, but it's <laughs> so.
0: it's well, you know. I I think we should talk a little bit about you know you 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 you, you mentioned a little bit about Christianity and sex, and. The the one thing I have to say is that Christianity's got a really f- view of sex. Okay. I know, it, it does. I and, know. And you know, I mean I grew up in the church. I grew up Catholic and then I then I became, you know, like a born-again Pentecostal type. And yeah. then I was an atheist. After yeah. That we for have a while. similar
1: story. That's a similar yeah. pa- pattern pattern than I have.
0: And then and then I discovered uh, this guy right here. Yogananda, this is he wrote this book called Autobiography of a Yogi, and that book changed my life because it made everything make sense. But what has happened, I think, is that over the millennia, people have taken the words of this guy, this guy who was who was so amazing and so in touch with god and in such congruence with with what his message was supposed to be and he was able to perform miracles and he was able to just always be in touch and he taught his disciples how to get in touch with god and then through the years people made it better rewrote it changed it and so it's filtered into what what we have now which i think is very very far from the message that he actually Gave us.
1: Well, you say he, you're talking about. I'm talking about Christ. You just, okay, Jesus. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, well, I, in my book, I'm talking, I talk about how I had MS. I got healed of it in a charismatic church, you know, lay hands, mm-hmm. fall out, totally healed, sure. go back to the doctor, the brain's gone clear. Then I get Lyme disease. And I think it was chronic Lyme disease. You know, it said an active and chronic Lyme disease. I had all these symptoms. And I, got delivered from that by a demonic deliverance ministry. So hmm. since then, since then, I have to kind of keep the doors closed to what they say if you have demonic deliverance, right? You got to keep the doors closed to the demons coming back. So even bitterness can bring in a demon or sex outside of marriage. And I know this is archaic, but this is something that I have learned. Listen, listen. this is something that I have learned in my own body, it says this, that you sin against your own body. You open the door to this. Sure, so that's where right. I but come here's
0: in. the here's the thing, and 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 this is this is I think the message of Christ, and it, it, this is why I think that we've we've really bastardized the the message of Christ is because we are we are children of God, right? We mm-hmm. we can agree there, and mm-hmm. as children of God, we are entitled to our inheritance, which is the kingdom of God. Yeah and nothing is going to separate us from that except for us. Mm-hmm. And the way we separate that separate ourselves from that is by creating our own hell through our beliefs and our thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can beat and, yourself up a lot. And while there is this whole, you know, in the in the Pentecostal charismatic side of Christianity, there's this whole thought of, you know, demon possession and demons and and all of these things and getting delivered at the end of the day, what that is, is simply separation. And it's separation because of, because of our belief in what Yogananda will call Maya. But at the end of the day, it's just earthbound consciousness. Hmm. So I, I really have a hard time with anybody, you know, the whole, I I don't, I don't really ascribe to the whole thought that that we can be delivered of demons because Mm. the demons that we have are our thoughts. And Mm. once we can start to understand that our thoughts create our reality and the thoughts that we think, if we think these same thoughts over and over and over again, that's going to create our hell on earth. We can change that. We can change our narrative. Do you also, do
1: you also think then that, you can heal yourself from disease like Lyme disease or MS just by changing your thoughts. Yes. The brain, the brain is
0: very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So the exactly. miracles, miracles happen. Miracles happen from, from a change in our brain. And if you study Joe Dispenza, Joe Dispenza has, he actually does scientific studies. of He gets people into a certain type of meditative state and they will Be healed of, I mean, cancer, and they'll be healed of all sorts of things. And so, you know, is it supernatural? He's got a book called *Becoming Supernatural*, which I highly recommend. Uh, He's also got another one called *Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself*, another really great book. What he does is he he will measure certain things like IgA, immunoglobulin A, which is a marker of our immunity. And he'll, you know, he'll people who haven't been able to walk are able to walk after these meditations and the point is, is that we live most of the time in our conscious mind 5%, right? But we've got 95% of what of our programming is in our subconscious. And so if we can get into our subconscious and change that programming, then we can be healed. But the way we get there is, is variable. There's many ways to get there. You can get there through, you know, a demonic deliverance. You can get there through prayer and laying out of hands. Laying out of hands is really powerful. You can get there through meditation and activation of the pineal gland. At the end of the day, the very first spirituality was yoga and Christ taught yoga At the you know, and when you when you look at it, we don't know where he was between the ages of about 13 and 30, right? And there's evidence he was in India learning yoga. I did not know that. I used to do hot yoga. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not the same. So the yoga that you're thinking is just moving your body. Mm. But if when you when you start to delve into you know, the gift of India is spirituality. India, Mm. India, all of all of spirituality kind of emanates from India. And when you, when you read the Yoga Sutras and the Bhagavad Gita, there are so many similarities with the Trinity and there's just a lot there. And, and I don't, I don't my, my job is not to unpack your faith because I don't want to do that. And if your belief is that, you know, that you're, you're saved through the blood of Christ, Fine, I, I'm not. I'm, that's not my. You know, you believe yes. what you want to believe, because yes. all spirituality leads to the same place. Doesn't matter, right? And mm-hmm. that's, I think, the mistake of Christianity, thinking that there's only one way to get to God. But there's, yeah, I hate, all spirituality I hate, I hate leads that. to the yeah. same place. You know, I and mean, I also all I spirituality reading, leads there.
1: Yeah, and when I was reading the Bible after this deliverance, after I got out of that bad relationship, I kept reading like idol worship. And I was like, what? I was randomly opening the Bible, idol worship. I'm not an idol worshiper. I'm not an idol worshiper. And then it took me to some verses about sexual morality is idolatry. So mm-hmm. that was where something was like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So when I put me on the throne, and it's like, that's where I was disconnecting from God because I was on the throne. So right. if I look back on it, even too, like low self esteem, it's not about self love, it's to me about. God's love will give you that self-esteem if you look at yourself through his eyes, but also have a relationship with him, which I think people don't have a relationship with him because they're like, oh, I'm, I'm a sinner and I don't want to go to God. And they go with this shame, but
0: God is a God of love. Well, again, again, we go back to the fact that we are children of God and God is both male and female. And unfortunately, because of the patriarchy, the patriarchy turned God into a male. But our God oh, is yeah. male and female. You know, all well, the genders. Holy Spirit they
1: say yeah. because of the Trinity. They say yeah, the Holy Spirit I mean, has like believing. the feminine energy or whatever. If There's another way of together. looking at
0: the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is is the embodiment of our higher self, the one that we can contact through meditation or prayer that will actually make things happen. Mm-hmm. Right. But when when you look at God as just God and genderless. And we have the the truth of when we return to the love, right? And we are the children of God. And so as a child of God, we have a birthright. And when mm-hmm. we, when we grab on and say, yes. I want that birthright and, yes. and I want, you know, and, and we, we don't let go, then we can say, you know, we can say, Let's let's go back to love, and, and you know that's where Marianne Williamson's book A Return to Love kind of comes into play, and you know other metaphysical texts like A Course in Miracles and things like that. But there's there's many paths. There's many paths. Well, Marianne Williamson isn't she the one who
1: said we're not afraid of, we're afraid of success? Kind of like that whole playing small is part of our problem, but success is what Uh,
0: I I wouldn't know. I'm really
1: bad at misquoting, but I know that she has something to do with like, we're not afraid of our failures. We're afraid of the power that's in within us or something to that effect. And
0: I think that's that's actually can be true. I mean, I think there are some people who are really afraid of failure as well, Mm -hmm. but, but I have to say that once I, I mean, just to kind of close the loop on spirituality, uh, and then kind of get back to narcissism <laughs> the biggest change in my life came when i started a spiritual practice and got out of my own way mm. and just uh, just just kind of got into the the allowing and so my encouragement for anyone who's listening or watching this podcast episode is to say that this spiritual practice is whatever you make of it. It's going to change your life no matter. And if all you do is sit for five minutes every morning in silence, that's a good enough start. Um, And you don't even have to have thoughts on God. You don't even Mm -hmm. have to believe in God, but a way to silence your brain and start to realize that, you know, to just to train your brain, that's probably the most life-changing advice I can give.
1: Very great advice. I think that whole yeah. side—the chemistry of the brain—is very much in, God's in all that too. Oh um, yeah, God's you know, everywhere. Healing. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's funny yeah. if
1: we're going to transition into narcissism, I my book describes it as demonic.
0: So that's all right. Narcissism is a is 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 really you know it's a true true belief in self over everything else. Yes. Right? Putting yourself in the middle of everything. And 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 it's interesting because when I was married to my husband back in the we got married in 1988, and then we had a really, really bitter divorce, and we had mm. we had to do psychological testing because mm. we had a kid. And everybody involved, there were four people involved that had to get tested. It was it was me, it was my ex-husband, it was my ex-husband's then fiance who he's since divorced, and the woman that I was with at the time. And every single one of us were narcissists based on that psychological assessment, every single one of us. And so we, we, and, and I was looking at it and I was like, okay. And then I start, you know, and so now like when I talk to my brother, so, you know, everyone in my family's gone except for my brother. So I had two older brothers and then our parents and I have one younger brother. And so everybody's passed away. And my younger brother and I talk a lot about how, you know, we, you know, my parents were both narcissists and they raised a family of narcissists. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so undoing all that narcissism has been, has been kind of my life's work. Good for you. Cause most narcissists yeah. don't even think they have a problem, nor do they care
1: to fix themselves. So that's like, I guess we're all on the spectrum and you were on the yeah. lower end, um, but that's beautiful. I, it's hard Sorry to say it was working. really
0: only about me. It was only about well, me for years and but years and years and years. It's and years funny and years that
1: years. you would attract a narcissist. Usually narcissists are attracted or they they okay, I heard this. They date up. You have it like if you have an energy that's positive and you have you're successful and you're really doing well in life, they want a piece of that, right? So okay. they can like kind of glom onto you and then ride the coattails of your success. But in the midst of that, they beat you down like they they Mm -hmm. only like you when you're down they they gaslight you they invalidate your reality they it's an insane making situation and i am i'm shocked that you were with a narcissist two narcissists together i haven't done any studies on that but
0: wow yeah yeah my ex-husband my ex-husband was was a narcissist my 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 ex-girlfriend at the time very narcissistic so yeah uh, i i tend to attract the narcissists oh and now you're so, attracting
1: see isn't that interesting now that you're getting healthier you're attracting yeah. the narcissists yeah so that's another so, thing
0: oh it's but we we're so me-centric so remember yeah. remember you know but kind of now and go back to the spiritual side of things you know at the end of the day what's happening here on earth is that we are spiritual beings who choose to come live in a bag of skin and our job is to get back to spirituality get back to who we really are and so when we start to really understand that the body is limiting because we are truly pure consciousness, that's, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's just awareness, right? And yeah. when we can get past, when we start to like really get past the, the limitations of the body and, mm. and become and, and start to understand that, that we are awareness inside, you know, and you can get, through there, get there through prayer. You can get there through God consciousness. You can get there through yoga and meditation. But when you when you start to realize that, then then it's the things that seem important to the narcissistic people stop feeling important. Oh, right? Yes. And so yes. and so for me, you know, becoming aware and starting, you know, and and, and I think it all kind of plays in, you know, with me quitting surgery and, you know, it, it all because because at the end of the day, now I'm not focused on me or my career anymore. I'm focused on wanting to you know my, my role now is to assist other women into becoming who they are who their best isn't people, that that's beautiful
1: selves. that's truly where we're meant to be it's like the focus off the self and onto others is when i think yeah. the true joy and peace comes into your absolutely. life absolutely
0: that's yeah. beautiful. So if if I'm somebody who's who's starting to realize that I'm in a in a narcissist, you know, in a relationship with a narcissist and and, and let's just define gaslighting because not everybody knows what that is. Yeah. So let's well, you know, you, let's, you, let's, you, let's start with
1: that. If you see the in- Ingrid Bergman's movie in the 1930s called Gaslight, it really explains yeah. it well and I'm going to explain it through that medium. A man married her, she had a lot of money, married her and then as he was stealing from her the, in the attic, the lights would flicker and she would be like, honey, the lights are flickering, you know, the, when he'd come down from the attic. And, and he's like, no they, no, they don't flicker. They're not flickering. What are you, crazy? You're going crazy. And, you know, it's like, oh, so you can say, you'll be in a relationship and you feel like something's wrong in the room or you feel invalidated. And I know just just little things like, did you, I have a dog and, and we were going to go on a trip. And, and I said, did you make sure the dog is, it's a dog friendly cabin. And he flips out and he just like, bah. and then I'm like, well, wait, 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 wait. And then he tells me later, well, you need to ask me, I have a question for you before you ask me a question. Now that might not be gaslighting. That might just be straight up abuse control. control, right? That's control. But gaslighting he. I'm just thinking about the I mean let's when, let's know.
0: maybe maybe it's more like this. It's gaslighting I think in in my experience is when you're you're out at a restaurant and you order the fish and he orders the steak and you go back and you say, "Hey, you know, how was that steak?" I didn't have steak. What are you talking <gasps> about? I had the fish. Yes.
1: That reminds me then of another story. I had a walk on the <laughs> river walk in Chicago beautiful walk, but I hated it because of his mood. He was cranky. And then later he says, that was the most amazing walk. And I'm like in my head going, It's stunk. Are you kidding me with
0: your mood? So yeah, that, that twisting, it's a, that's yeah. a word. To the twisting Just, of reality. It, so gaslighting is like ch- trying to, you know, quite makes you question your sanity. But coming from um, someone who would be a self-proclaimed narcissist, can you explain that
1: behavior? Why do
0: they do that? I can't. I mean, I think I, okay. I, I, again, I, I don't, I didn't Recovering know. Nurses. Yeah. But I'm trying to think if I, I think it's like a reality strategy. Yeah. It's a no, control I, issue. Again. Yeah. It's, it is c- control. I mean, I don't, I wasn't a big gaslighter. It's not something I recognized until I noticed it was happening to me. I so you. I can't recall ever using that strategy as a, as a means of control. I, I, I just always wanted my own way. Yeah. I still want my own way.
1: Sure. and I want to I be mean, right. And I want to be right. Yeah. That's why, and, that's why being single is so great. Cause you always get <laughs> your own way.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, you need, you have to compromise and, and, yes, and so yes. I'm, you know, Of course, in my second marriage, it's, we've got a, we've got a, our seventh anniversary coming up in my second marriage and we've been together for 15 years and it's, it's interesting because we, you know, it it has been a lot of compromise, you know, a lot of compromise and and me trying to find myself throughout this whole, this whole time. My wife yeah. is, my wife is you really, you know, she's always, she's always knowing what she wanted to do and she's doing her thing. And me, I've been reinventing myself the whole time, oh, you know, so, so she's yeah, been, yeah, she's yeah. been very accommodating, we'll say. That's beautiful. That's supportive. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's see here. Let's, let's talk about some of the lies that, that we tend to believe about, about ourselves when it comes to when it comes to managing a relationship or or trying to get out of narcissism, try one of the
1: things that when you're in it. I know some people they don't really want to leave the relationship, but what you can do if you're still going to stay in it is you could still just play the game of not reacting because I know narcissists love a good reaction. They love a lot of drama, so if they can, they'll 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 say something to you that you know is a straight up lie. And instead of reacting like, I don't do that, I don't you can just simply say, I'm okay with your false perception of me. And that shuts them up. Or, you know, your anger is not my responsibility. And that yeah. shuts them up. You this know, has things like that. nothing
0: to do with me. Exactly. It so has nothing can, to do with me. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. That is the key. I think if you're in those kinds of relationships and you know you have five kids and you don't want to leave or whatever, there's ways that you can protect yourself that are going to definitely, you know, it's not going to make you maybe thrive in the relationship, but I think just getting, do your own thing, have your own hobbies. Don't wait for him, her to come home and with the meal, you know, just that whole like, like expectations of time and, 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 you know, there's the relationship and then there's you and your partner, right? So you do need to put the relationship first, but, but at the same time, don't lose yourself in the midst of that.
0: Right. I think, I think it's really common. I mean, if you think about the way that we have relationship, you know, there's, there's very few examples in the media of happy or healthy relationships. And so we, we only know when you, if you, if you, look at the media and you want to kind of get an idea of what a good relationship is it's somebody who you know immediately runs home and has you know like hurried sex right that's how uh-huh. they always get to know each other and then after that you know everything is rosy you know you get your you get your prince charming or or whatever and that's you know so so healthy relationships aren't necessarily modeled for us and and if we want to have a healthy relationship we have to go out and really search for that because you know, a healthy relationship has to do with listening and boundaries. And, you know, even when you're in a sexual relationship with someone, you still need boundaries. You still need need physical boundaries. You need psychological boundaries. You know, boundaries are so important to the health of, of who we are as humans. And so actually there's a really good book on boundaries. I can't remember the name of it but I mean it's called Boundaries I can't remember the author is it Dr. Henry Cloud? No it's by a Christian oh. lady it's it's based in based in Christianity. Yeah so Dr.
1: Henry Cloud is also a Christian he has a Boundaries.me membership it's like 9 dollars a month and wow. that's been helpful like a lot of videos. I like to consume books but he has it through videos. Very
0: good. Let me just let me just look at what it's called Boundaries I'm um, I'm just when to say yes when to say no to take control of your life and what I don't, I can't find, I gotta, let me see if I can find it on Google or something um, because I want to show the picture.
1: Yeah. Boundaries so. are something I'm still working on. Like I don't have any relationship with any kind of like romantic relationship right now, but even with friendships, I'm still struggling with certain like feelings that come up and then what, what's this feeling and why am I feeling Oh, this Henry way? Cloud oh, okay. and John
0: Townsend. Yeah. Is that who you're talking him. about? Henry Cloud? Yeah. 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 So there's a membership there for 10 bucks a month on learning a yeah. about boundaries. It's really, it's
1: really good. Actually, I recommend it in my book. So he's yeah, great. you
0: can buy You can actually buy this book boundaries for five bucks. Awesome. Uh, I, I bought want, it back yeah. in my 20s. So, I met him and
1: I bought it in my 20s. On and
0: christianbook.com okay. and it's five bucks. Oops. This yeah. is something else. So yeah. So you can get, this is the book, and it's that's all key. about boundaries uh, is key, but that's another boundaries, put that yeah. into practice. And when you when you start to put into ba- in boundaries, you can disconnect from from that narcissism. Because yes. the other problem, I think, with narcissistic people is they, they tend to reel people in and then, and then, and then make that, make it, since everything's all about them, the narcissist who's looking into the water, right? I mean, that's a narcissist. You think yeah. about back yeah. when yeah. Narcissists became right. a flower right. Right. that the overlooked, you know, so yeah. when, when you, when you're, when you're living with a narcissist and you start to recognize that, that, that that's happening now, the narcissist is getting all of their, all of their validation from the control of you right uh-huh when uh-huh. you can start to see yourself outside the relationship as a as a somebody who is independent and then that person that narcissist is no longer controlling you you can actually say things like no this has nothing to do with me yes right and so but but it does require you to change your thoughts and that's why you know in in my program the meno system it's a when you're one year experience, actually. We actually go in depth into how to manage your thoughts because, you know, that's, that's so important. Thoughts, ma- you know, your thoughts make your reality. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I just, I,
1: I agree totally. And I get you Rich, mentioned, like, you know, the, the whole dating advice people get where you need to let the person chase you and you need to, well, that's the whole thing about a the narcissist. They love bomb you for three months or whatever until they capture you. And you're perceiving it as, whoa, they really love me. And yet it's just a trap. (laughs) So that's where I'm still working out my recovery right now. You know, I'm still not sure about that next person that decides to think they're interested, you know, so thought life, thought life. That's good.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's just so key that we, that we, you know, I mean listen we we think maybe 60 to 90,000 thoughts a day and yeah you know 80 to 90% of them are you know n- negative untrue or not helpful and so yeah. when when we can control not control but when we can manage and change the thoughts in our mind then we can and you know some of this comes back to spirituality and finding the bliss in being a child of God or being a child of, you know, or, or even, you know, just, just listen, if you're an atheist, that's fine too. Yeah. I have no judgment there, but just, just, if you can get into a place, even transcendental meditation, where all you're doing is, you know, repeating a mantra for 20 minutes, training the mind as if it were another muscle is so key. I love you know, that. It, it's, it's just so key to having a life, life. that it's, is. You know, fulfilling. It's funny you. It's funny you say that because in COVID, I got
1: the COVID ten pounds. You know, and mm-hmm. I I usually have like an inner self loathing about my body. I didn't realize I did, and yeah. yet lately, the last two days, I've been praying about it, and I've been every time I walk and see myself in the mirror or I'm walking the dog, I have been telling myself. Wow, you looking good. Look at you. Yeah. Look at oh, you're beautiful. And I've never done that in fifty four years. Tomorrow it's my birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. But I just was like, thank you. But I was like, what? All these years of self loathing, and I used to have like a, what I call a booty rag. I would put a, a sweatshirt around my butt because I didn't want people to see it. And now I'm walking out without my booty rag. I'm like, here it is, everybody. Here it is. Because I yeah, have picked no, you, know, you know, so
0: and so I just like okay. You're finding out who you are. You know. Yeah. And how long have you been out of this relationship? A year. Okay. So you just, and you wrote a book about it? Yeah. What's Not the name of Not just about him. Ain't going to be no stupid
1: woman. That's great. I can explain that title if you need me yeah. to. I was writing a book and I'm still writing a book. Ain't going to be no stupid teacher. Because my mom, when I was 22 with an English degree, two months away from graduation, I'm like, what am I going to do with this English degree? And she said, why don't you be a teacher? I'm like, I ain't going to be no stupid teacher. And I remember verbatim. We grew up in the country and I was, I'm thinking that's where I got that vernacular, but it was like, wait a minute. So then I was writing that book and then this happened and I was processing it. And then I thought about all the patterns in my life. And I definitely have it. The preface is all about the plank in your own eye versus Mm -hmm. the speck, you know, the Bible verse with why are you worried about the speck in someone else's eye and not the plank in yours? So my preface is all about the plank in my own eye, but the book is about the speck in everybody else's. So (laughs) kind of flipped, but I, um, I'm going to continue with Ain't Going to Be No Stupid. I've got an Ain't Going to Be No Stupid podcast. I've got an Ain't Going to Be No Stupid YouTube channel now. And I've, I've, I've definitely, yeah, it's definitely following me. I know you're supposed to have all these wonderful like women of women empowerment, you know, words for positive. Mine is definitely negative words, but I always think the mathematical two negatives make a positive, ain't going to be sure. no
0: stupid. So I thought it works. Yeah, I know. It works <laughs> great. Yeah. 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 So what is overfunctioning?
1: Well what I see again that goes back to a Bible verse as well I don't know the verse, but it's when Mary and Martha Jesus is in their home and Martha is running around making sure everything's fine and perfect and everything's like looking good and Mary, Mary's just sitting there at his feet quietly mm-hmm. and I see too many especially in the teaching profession and just too many women and if you think about it like they just do it all they're they're cooking they're cleaning they're working a full-time job they're raising the children and there's like a a, a, a like a hamster wheel kind of behavior. And I think that a lot of times people do that over function for validation. Mm
0: -hmm. When the
1: validation needs to come, as you were saying, sitting in silence for five minutes, sitting at Jesus's feet. And that is the place that you are going to find true freedom. And I just think that the whole denying ourselves is when we find ourselves and not, this busyness. And that includes television or everything we consume all day, every day to keep us from that that relationship with ourselves, the quietness, the peace. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something I think that, that women need to grow in, especially. We've been conditioned mm-hmm. to be that way. Um, we've been conditioned to be all about appearances. We've been conditioned to do it all and serve everybody. And I know it might be in our genes and
0: DNA. It's not in our genes. It's, it's it isn't. in the patriarchy. Okay, it's Go in ahead. our patriarchy. Yeah. The patriarchy is, you know, I mean, you look at it, it's men have subjugated women. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, I, I mentioned this book all the time. It's called the alphabet versus the goddess. And it's about how women were became, you know, misogyny started when all of the, all of the, when, written, when written language started, we started using the other side of our brains and all the female gods were killed, but all the gods mm-hmm. initially were female. Mm-hmm. And, And then written language happened and the male gods started killing the female gods. And this is all in history. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. And I mention it probably every other podcast. And what, you know, what, what has happened, I think, in history is that, you know, men are stronger. They have testosterone, they have more muscle, and they have more physical power. And, you know, if you look at the Nordic, you know, the Nordic history, women were... They, they fought alongside men they were there there was a lot of like, like equality but uh, uh, through the history you know and you look at what happened in say the Muslim world where women became really subjected to men to the point that even having a female child was a negative right mm-hmm. and, and you know and you think about the fact that there are no boys without a woman mm-hmm. there are no boys that. without a woman i mean you know we bear the children and so the subjugation of women and the the it's just it, it, you know it's a societal problem it's it's like a scourge i think on it's a, and, and yeah you know, listen i'm I guess I'm a feminist, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for, for women's rights. It's and equality I'd love too, to see, right? I'd love to see the about- ERA like, you know, done and, mm-hmm. you know, passed and, and stuff, but <laughs> it's such a big problem. You know, it's a big problem because, because, because of what Paul wrote or the way that the, the way that, you know, if we go back to Christianity, the way that Paul wrote about women in his letters Women have to keep their heads covered. Women should keep silent in the church. Women, and, and so Paul was like a classic, classic, classic misogynist. And yeah, Ten Lies the Church. There's, Go ahead and read out, read out that It title. says, Ten Lies the Church Tells Women by Lee
1: Grady. I haven't finished it, but it's, it's all about debunking some of those beliefs. That women are inferior, that women cannot be leaders, that men should be ruling over the home, that women need to cover themselves, or that men are the covering for the woman. They can't work. I mean, this is, this is, again,
0: women have to subjugate themselves to the men, women, women, uh, what is What is What what did he say? It was like, women serve your husbands, right? Serve your husbands. You were serving God or something. But I also think subject yourself. It's, it's, it's. yeah, it's it's it's, where- it's it's not it's not good. And it, but at the end of the day, remember, Paul. Paul was just a dude
1: who he was single you know,
0: Well, he was probably gay. But oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a thorn in my side. I can't get rid of it. Why do I do the thing I don't want to do? Right. You know, here's on here he is on the road to Damascus, and Paul was on the road to Damascus, and Christ appeared to him. So this was uh, before, maybe after the Pentecost. I can't remember. It was probably. It might have been before the Pentecost, but I, I I actually don't know the history. So if somebody wants to tell me, that's fine. Yeah. Christ appears to him, and, you know, he had been persecuting Christians. He had been killing Christians as a Jew. Christ appears to him, and he changes, right? And then he becomes the biggest, you know, apostle and starts mm-hmm. to, you know, he he takes the place of Judas. Because, of course, Judas, you know, betrayed Jesus, and yeah, he, you know, he got... I mean he had to pay the price for that right I think he killed himself. So then all these letters that he wrote to the church these these you know these beginning churches became you know they made it into the Bible but the Bible was written by men and it was written by right. men many years after the the death of Christ and and so what we know about memory from our studies what we know about memory is that memory is faulty. And so even the Gospels are the memories of men. They're not necessarily what Jesus said. They are the memories of men written years after his death. And we have taken this and said, oh, this is the word of God. But it is, everything is filtered through the imperfect mind of man. And while we do have the mind of Christ, we get that when we meditate we get that when we enter the kingdom of god and the way to enter the kingdom of god is to leave our body consciousness and start to understand that what we are is awareness
1: i do have to disagree about the bible because of the experience that i had with uh, the book of john john 4 the woman at the well she had she had five husbands and the man she was living with was not her husband and he asked her for a drink and she said oh why are you talking to me because samaritans were considered yep. you know and he's like the water I give you will be living water. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the next day I went jogging and I go, Lord, whenever you're ready, you can come into my life. And I felt a rush of like water rush mm-hmm. the minute I prayed that prayer. So I really do still encourage people to read the Bible just to get whatever they can. Try to debunk it, I'm not you know,
0: saying to- the Bible, I'm not saying the Bible doesn't have good things to say. And I'm yeah. not saying that there aren't, that, that, that what the men who wrote, the Bible put down or, you know, that some of that stuff is not accurate. I mean, there's really good metaphor in there and there's really good lessons in there. And, And the woman at the well with Christ saying, you know, the waters I give you will be the living waters. Yeah. Okay. But again, those are not necessarily the exact words of Christ. Those are the words of Christ as remembered by somebody. And we know that our memories are faulty. Okay. And so could somebody have remembered it because of, because of the way, you know, they, they were in a, in a trance state and they got, you know, a download. I mean, there's certain, yeah. certainly, I mean, listen, I love the Gospel of John. The Gospel yeah. of John starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so when you look at that and you understand that everything is vibration and that we are both particle and wave, and we know this from quantum physics, then in the beginning was the Word, which was a sound, which in the Bhagavad Gita is Om, right? So we have our Amen. So in the word, beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's all basically the origin of the universe. God was one thing, and then God split, himself, split, it, split itself up so that God could experience itself. And so isn't here we that,
1: are. Yeah, isn't that the whole Big Bang Theory? Science and Bible does support when God spoke it into existence. There it is. Like, that well, is sure, like, yeah. They, and, and, they together. When and I think we think yeah. it's binary. It's not science versus God. It's
0: all together. No when usually when there's an explosion there's chaos but you know in the in the big bang when there was you know when the big bang happened it was order order came out of nothing and so you know there's many mysteries we don't understand right, right. but you know i think at the end of the day that there is many ways there's many ways to and 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 i didn't you know my last four or five podcasts have all been about spirituality and it, it's really Ooh. interesting that i think covid um, has something to do with that i really well, do COVID i really think it's a time the
1: it really is. And I think it's like a yeah. big time message is like, look inside yourself. What can you do with all the chaos in the world? You can start at home, right? You can start yeah. and dive into your own spirituality. And if I don't take care of my own heart and how I feel about other people, how am I not going to, am I going to change the world? No. So I love that, that, that this just so happened that your podcasts are all end up being spiritual, yeah. talks, right? Because I think God has a message. Yeah you know that yeah i think
0: i think that, that there's there are many paths to spirituality and you know at the end of the day understanding that we are so much more than what we think there's so much more to the human experience than acquiring things oh for sure, which I think yeah. is idol
1: worship as well. That's just well, blinding you. Yeah. From, well, I know you got a nice house. Okay, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, if we got to be minimalists. We got to be just like us and God, and we are heirs to the throne. Like we are royalty. Yeah. If you think about it, we're
0: royalty. Yeah. So we should walk around. The like- kingdom of God is our inheritance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So so let me just. I want to just close one loop that we had open, and that was uh, somebody who's in a if somebody's in a narcissistic relationship and really, really wants to get out of it, what, what is your advice for them?
1: You know, it's a slow process. I don't think you can just break up because there's a trauma bond that's in place because of the abuse. Mm. So a lot of times it'll take a few times unless you go no contact. Okay. Like I think I just got my last year and a half. I pretty much started to just do my own thing and live my own life. And I didn't care what he was doing. And he lived in the burbs. I'm in the city. And so it was like kind of like I didn't care anymore about him. And I took care of me. But I know we broke up a few times in the four years. And the trauma bond would always cause us to get back together. So I actually went to a neuropsycholo- uh, neurochiropractor, neurofeedback. They did neurofeedback mm-hmm. on my brain. And I my brain was in fight or flight, like, but he said the majority of the time. And because of that, I then started to go and, and they put electrodes on you. And then there's this like machine where you have to like hit, you know, balance and all. that. I started to change my brain chemistry. And as a yeah. result of changing my brain chemistry, I was able to break free of that. That's before we broke up even. It was just part of the the getting rid of the fight or flight because I'm in fight or flight. Therefore, I don't know. I just
0: can't, I can't think Yeah, straight. I just want to say about that, about... People who are in fight or flight, I mean, the, that is the society that we had before COVID. Mm. And, you know, we're going to see pre COVID, post COVID. That's, that's yeah. kind of the way the world's going to be, I think, yeah. for the next probably 30, 40 years. Wow. And, you know, what COVID has done, it has required us to really calm down. Yeah. Right. We've I've had to stay home that. and calm down. And when, when we're in this high stress, got to go to work, got to get things done, you know, I mean, you think about all the infertility, right? And why mm-hmm. is it that we're infertile? We're infertile because we're constantly in stress and our bodies aren't going to get pregnant when we're in stress. And so the way, you know, this is why I think meditation is so important because yeah, when, when we have, you know, Our brains are connected to our heart, which is connected to our gut, which is connected to our adrenals, which is getting, so it's all connected. And so when we can, when we can lower our stress levels, we do that through, we can do that through meditation. We can do that through thought. And we, what we have to do is get ourselves out of, you know, high, what's called high beta, the high beta brainwaves. That's probably what they were talking about for you. Yes. Get us into more in the alpha state and the alpha state comes when we forgive. And forgiveness is the key to return to love. And huge. yeah, yeah. And so again, forgiveness is key. And again, you know, if you're in a narcissistic relationship or if you're recovering from a narcissistic relationship, the biggest key for you to get free of that is to forgive. And Amen. while and it seems resentment, like, yeah, let it go. And, yeah. and you may think, you may think a lot of people think that forgiveness is letting the person off the hook, but oh. it's not what's forgiveness is for us. Forgiveness yes, is to is. free us. And then yes. we can say, we can say, you know, that has nothing to do with me. Truly. That's not what I, that's not, that's
1: not, you know, it's nothing to do with Truly. me. Truly. And I know, I just yeah. feel like when I, when I was able to leave, it was like, I felt like, I always feel like I have wings on the back of my head. Uh, my, my neck and I feel like they're always like down flat when I'm in a relationship. And as soon as I like, get out, I'm just like, I feel like I just start taking flight. There's like a freedom and I felt so free after that. Yeah. And yet I think in the midst of it, I was feeling the freedom within with before I was able to get out. And I think that's key. What you were saying, a lot of the suggestions you're making of getting healthy and, and healing is, is key. Yeah. Just take care of you. And then the relationship has to change or it has to end.
0: Right, right. That's true. So,
1: was there anything else you were hoping to share? Well, you were just mentioning the breathing thing. I was just thinking about how this whole year has been. Like we we all took a gasp when we learned Kobe Bryant died, right? Mm-hmm. And we all took a gasp, and then COVID hit, and then the earth started to breathe again. And then the whole disease itself, the virus itself, affects the lungs, which is breathing. And,
0: more and than once, I mean, if you think, it affects the oh, whole
1: vascular system too. Yeah. And and it's it's beyond my my frame of knowledge. I just know what it's what it's done to people's lives in terms of reset, recheck, and I know a lot of the extroverts are really mad at it. But I just think of like how God breathed life into us when He created us, and it's like breathe. All God's saying is now breathe, 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 breathe. And so I think that that is key in the relationship. If you're in a narcissistically abusive relationship or any kind of relationship that just doesn't feel healthy, you have to take the steps for yourself, you need to own yourself, stop pointing fingers, stop worrying about what they're doing. And again, if they're cheating, that was like my, my out, because I was grateful that that happened, because he just found new supply, right? So yeah. he found new supply, thank you. Okay, we're gone. I'm out. Radical and it was a, it was a gift. It was a, Yes, it was a great, great relief. I was like, yay, yeah. now I can move on and he isn't going to come chasing me because you've got somebody else. So, hey. Right. Yeah. So,
0: where can people find you?
1: Well, my name is amypera.com. So, P E R R A S, A M Y P E R A S dot com. And I'm also, like I said, on YouTube, Ain't Gonna Be No Stupid podcast, Ain't Gonna Be No Stupid. And that's Instagram. I have Ain't Gonna Be No Stupid and TikTok as well. Ain't Gonna Be No Stupid.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement today.
1: And thank you, Dr.
0: G. I'm really, really excited to you know, see how this goes going forward. Yeah. Thank you so much for, right. for having me. Now, if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me via email at info at or on Facebook Messenger through my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I also want to invite you to join in our next beta group. Here at the menopause movement, we are always trying out new methods of teaching and the best ways to get on top of your menopause symptoms. We regularly run beta test groups where we create a learning experience valued at $2,000, but at no cost to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials to get notified of our next beta group. Simply sign up at beta.menopausemovement.com. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. I appreciate you.